As always, it will help you if you have your service sheet in front of you. Page two has a whole bunch of sentences there that are missing a word, and you can fill them in when that sentence appears on the screen. There's plenty of them in the foyer, so grab one if you haven't already. You can even get up now and just walk in there and get one if you'd like, and a pen as well. And of course, there's some colouring in down the bottom if that helps you concentrate. Let me lead us in prayer. Our gracious Lord, we are so thankful that you've given us the Bible and that we can know that through the Bible, by your Holy Spirit, you tell us about yourself and about us, and you also tell us about what we should expect for the future. And we pray that as we look at the Bible now that you would help us to listen and help us to obey and help us to wait for that day. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, other than the weekly Sunday services, there are three life events for which the church has a special involvement. And that is when we are hatched, matched and dispatched. In other words, for baby baptisms and for marriages and for funerals. Uh, if you happen to be here this morning at church, you would have been here to celebrate the baptism of Aria Meta. Uh, we've done baptisms here at night as well, and it's something we love to do from time to time. And it's a great thing to do that because it enables us, especially with younger children, to recognise their place in a Christian family and to be able to pray that that younger child would own their parents' faith as they approach adulthood. It's a time of rejoicing in that new life that God's given. Uh, another thing I do from time to time is I marry people. I conduct the services. And in fact, I was able to do that for Aria's parents, Justin and Kayla, as well, only 16 months ago. And so I was involved in, their, in a hatch and a match, which naturally leads to a dispatch, which we don't want to talk about, right? That's just a bit awkward, of course. And as I mentioned this this morning, and the gathered people here, you could almost feel it was a bit like, did he really say that? We don't like to talk about death. We don't like to talk about being dispatched. We try and avoid the topic whenever we can. Our world, of course, loves births and loves marriages, and, but not deaths. And that's because death is the great enemy of life. We arrive in this world, we aspire to do great things, and then often unexpectedly, we die. Most of us live to a ripe old age. Uh, some recent statistics have recorded that half of Australian men will live to 79, and half our women will live to 85. Before 50, only 5% of us will die. And before 70, only a quarter of us will die. So for a, a few of us will die young, but generally we will die old. Does that make it all better? No, not really. Whether you die old or whether you die young, it never feels good when the loved one dies. I mean, with all the woo-hoos of birth and marriage, you get all the, the boo-hoos of death. It, you know, even though we're getting better at medicine and we're able to prolong life, the problem is all we can do is live longer. We've not been able to crack it so that we can live on earth forever. So that means that death remains our enemy. And it's something that all of us will face one day sooner or later. 
Now, why would I be talking about this cheery subject today? Why can't I talk about flowers and poppy dogs and sunsets and kisses? Well, it's because we're up to the next bit of 1 Corinthians chapter, well, whatever, chapter 15, verse 35. It's the 31st talk, and it's a 32-week series, which means we should probably start getting a bit misty-eyed because this is the second last one. Next week is the last one. But as we've been working through this, walking through 1 Corinthians, this 32-week marathon, we get to this chapter here. And this last bit of the chapter, in these verses, it mentions eight times the words either death, dead, die, or dying. That's what this bit of the Bible is going to talk about. So that's what we are going to talk about today. And it might seem like it's a negative subject. Uh, who wants to talk about death, right? But this is actually one of the most upbeat, optimistic, victorious chapters in the whole Bible. Because in it you get these words from chapter 15, verse 54. Death is swallowed up in victory. And this, O oh death, where is your victory? O oh death, where is your sting? So yes, it's talking about death, but it's all about defeating death it's talking about death but it's talking about a victory over this great enemy and then to cap it off it says in verse 57 but thank god he gives us victory over sin and death through our lord jesus christ so we're going to talk about sentences from the bible that address the topic of death but they're actually about life life after death Imagine if a scientist discovered a cure for every cancer. You know, they're there looking under their microscope or whatever, and they, they suddenly think, hang on, I wonder if we got that thing and that thing and made it into a pill and gave it to people. Let's give it a try. Well, works. Yikes. How good is that? It would be an extraordinary thing. And when they announced that, you could imagine what it might say on TV. Today we want to talk to you about cancer. Everyone goes... Oh. No, 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 it's good news because cancer has now been cured. You say, hey! So a topic that's negative can actually be said about in a very positive way, which is what we're doing today. It's talking about death, but it's talking about a cure for the effects of death. It's talking about true life after death, which means it isn't actually a negative subject at all. It's a wonderful, glorious, thrilling piece of news. Uh, for most of us, this is uh, not something we've stumbled across for the first time. You know, we've, we've known about the resurrection of Jesus from the dead for a long time. In fact, it's been spoken of for 2,000 years. That's how long it's been since it first happened. But even so, it's still a big thing for us to get our head around, to be perfectly honest. The whole idea of life after death can be hard to believe it really can be and if you find it hard to believe that's okay and it turns out you're in good company because there were a bunch of christians who were in the first century and the apostle paul arguably the greatest christian leader of all time he's writing to them and he's talking to them and he's addressing their concerns and it turns out that a number of them were skeptics now it's okay to be a skeptic. It's okay to approach this topic as a skeptic. 
You see, we're all used to scams, aren't we? I wonder if you might put your hand up in the air if you this week have received a text message from someone saying that, oh, you didn't get your parcel, click here to let us know, or, or, yeah, or you didn't pay your toll, please click here to pay, yeah, 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 or, you know, you, we, we, and you think, oh, will I click on that? Don't click on that. No, 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 no. We're used to scams, and so we're on scam watch all the time. And when someone says, hey, let me make you an offer you can't refuse, we've got life after death, you think, scam. No, click on that. Don't follow it. But there's a time when we do need to trust people when they tell us some news. If I go and see my doctor, who I've seen now for more than a decade, and I sit down with her and I say, look, I've got this bit of a funny sort of pain in, you know, down here or whatever, and, and she says to me, well, we've done some tests and there's actually a solution to that. You need to take this medication, we need to, you know, this operation or whatever like that. I might say, ah, I've heard that one before. No way, no way, scam. It's like, hang on. Jody, I've been your doctor for 10 years and... This is not the first time I've said, have this medicine or get this treatment. Yeah, but you might be just scamming me. It's like, come on. You've got to trust someone sometime. This is what we need to do. We need to trust that this is not a scam, that this is actually the truth. But it's nonetheless can be hard for us to get our head around it. And so the Apostle Paul kicks it off and he starts by saying to them, okay, well, let's see what your first question is. Well, it might be this one. And he says, verse 35, well, someone might ask, how will the dead be raised? What kind of bodies will they have? <laughs> see, this is how silly it is. They, you know. Now, before we get into that answer, we've got to realise we've joined a conversation midway, right? There's already been a whole chapter of talk about the resurrection and, and how it happens and things like that. It kicked off by the first important piece of news, the news that shook the world. That is that Jesus died, was buried, rose from the dead, and then he appeared to stacks of different people in different occasions. It was earth-shattering news. And because of that it meant that we could now have the hope of the resurrection ourselves. As Jesus rises, so we who are with Christ will rise with him. And that is all possible because Jesus swapped his life for our death sentence. This is the big thing about Easter, right? It's the big trade, the big swap. Jesus is the guy who had never sinned. He's the only guy who could say, can I take their punishment instead of mine because I don't have any that needs to be dealt with and so he did and because of that he swapped his life for our death sentence and so now with all of that we are seeing why that makes a difference and the difference is resurrection rising to new life that is what is on offer for all of us if we trust in Jesus as most of us here have yeah but what is our body going to be like because it can't just be like this one. It's sort of a bit like when people say, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, what about this, this tough question? Because I reckon you haven't thought about this before. You know, can God make a rock so big that he can't lift it? Huh, huh, huh? Yeah, see, God's, God's not true. And off you go, you think, yeah, we've got answers to these questions. It's like, oh, hang on, how could there possibly be life after death? You know, what happens if you, you die in a, a horrific kind of accident um, um, and and you your body is no longer how it was uh, what that what's that body going to be like you know so 
How is it that there can be resurrection from the dead if your body's broken? It's like, ah, yeah, there you go. It can't be true, right? Paul says, what a foolish question. What a foolish question. And then he starts to talk about gardening. He says, when you put a seed in the ground, it doesn't grow into a plant until it dies first. He says, if you want to have a plant, that plant needs to first have had a seed die for it to grow. A seed needs to die in order to grow. And then he goes on to say that what you put in the ground is not the plant that will grow, but only a bare seed of wheat or whatever it is you're planting. So let's say that I want to grow some delicious Roma tomatoes, right? So I get the soil all ready and I get this little packet from the, the nursery and it's got some seeds in it. And they, they look like, you know, you know, nuts you could eat or something, but I said, don't eat the nuts. They're, they're, it's, not, it's actually it's not just random seeds. They're special seeds, beautiful Roma tomato seeds. And you put them into the ground, you, you stick them in just the right depth and you water them and you fertilise them and you try not to kill them. And then eventually what you do is you kill them. But from the death of that seed comes life. And you suddenly start to see a little bit of a green thing pop up. And then it grows, and then it grows, and it grows. Now what you don't come back after a week or two and say, wow, it's a giant seed. No, it's not a giant seed. The seed's gone. The seed's been transformed into a green thing. And eventually that green thing's going to have some juicy little red things on it, which you'll cut up and serve with cracked pepper and balsamic vinegar. Mm -hmm. Buffalo mozzarella, maybe. But you see, what you do is you get this seed that turns into something that is a, a totally different nature. And so with that in mind, he makes this connection in verse 38. He says, then God gives it the new body he wants it to have. A different plant grows from each kind of seed. Similarly, there are different kinds of flesh, one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. See, different seeds will make different plants in the same way that each living creature has a different kind of flesh and body to another. Not every single seed is going to grow the same plant. Different seeds, different plants, different bodies, different kinds of flesh. And then he goes to say that there are differences in the glory of one body to another. He basically says that things look differently here on earth compared to the life to come in heaven. And just because things are different in heaven than they are on earth, it doesn't mean that earthly things can't become heavenly. You see, basically with all of this stuff about seeds and things like that, he's saying things look different after death. And because of that, it's not silly to think of the resurrection of the dead. It goes on to say, verse 40, There are also bodies in the heavens and bodies on the earth. The glory of the heavenly bodies is different from the glory of the earthly bodies. The sun has one kind of glory, while the moon and stars have another kind, and even the stars differ from each other in their glory. So basically saying that in the same way the sun's glory, the brightness, looks different to the moon's glory, the brightness, and the, and the star's glory, the brightness, because they're all different and things like that, we've got to realise that, that what happens in life after death is true because we can know that life after death is different to life now. 
And that's the point in verse 42. He says it's the same with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. So all this stuff, it's actually not about Roma tomatoes. It's actually about people. Because you see, our bodies are like seeds that are buried. I wonder if you realise the, the connection there. He's saying that in the same way that you plant a seed in the ground, the seed is dead or dies in the process and it brings a new plant to life. So it is with humans. We need to be the seed that's planted and then from that will grow a spiritual body, a new life. The brokenness of death is replaced by the glory of new life. Verse 43. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. If your body is weaker and sicker than it was when you were younger, you'll know what this is talking about. Maybe if you're in your 20s, you think, oh, you know, I'm maybe not quite as strong and flexible as I was when I was 16, but, you know, I'm still okay. And then you get to your 30s, then you get to your 40s, and then a few things start to really ache, and then you get to your 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s and some time in your life, you get to the point where when you go down to pick something off the ground, you make sure you've got a list of things you wanted to do before you got back up because you know how hard it is just to get down and get up. Life can get hard, life can get difficult, and your bodies are not as strong as they once were. And if you think, my body's fine, I don't need a new body, you're probably pretty young because most of us who are just a little bit older are thinking, actually, my body's not what it once was and I know it's not going to last forever. We want a new body. I mean, who wants to take their hip replacement into heaven? We want a new body. And so that is why what comes next is a spiritual body. Verse 44. It says, They are buried as natural human bodies, but they'll be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. So this answers the first question today. Our new bodies after death will be different, and that's fine. In fact, it's not just fine, it is awesome. See, we want a new body that can no longer die. We want a glorious body that can no longer break. You know, you get to the point where you, you, you get something from the shops, right, and it breaks. And you, know, oh, you take it back and they say, can I have a new one? They say, oh, no, we'll fix it. And they send it off, they bring it back. And they say, all right, they fixed it. And then it happens again, it happens three times. You say, this is a dud. I want a new one, please. And they say, oh, no, we just do repairs. It's like, I don't want to repair. I want a brand new one, please. And it comes like that with our body. It's like you get a new knee on the left and then a new knee on the right. And then you get new hips. And then where do you stop? Can I have a new head, please? I mean, it's like eventually you've got to say, I need a new body. The time must come. And so with this, there is hope because there will be a new body that can no longer die. And that is really good news. But how does it all happen? How do we actually get this new body and have this new life after death? Well, we're about to hear about two famous Bible people. We're about to hear about Adam. That's the Adam from Adam and Eve fame right at the start of the Bible. And we're going to hear about Jesus. 
And often in the Bible, you'll have the old Adam and the new Adam. You'll have Adam versus Jesus. They are sort of two representatives. Adam's kind of like the bad guy, the boo-hoo, because he's the guy who, when he was given the choice to follow God, he said, ah, yeah, no thanks, and rejected God. And from that rejection, the whole world broke. And then you've got the other guy. You've got Jesus. Jesus came along and God said, you're going to follow me? He said, of course I am. It's like, ah, the opposite. And because of that, he was able to then represent us. And in all of this, we'll see that Jesus is the opposite of Adam. And it's here we'll see it. We see it in other parts of Paul's writing in particular as well. But unlike every other human, Jesus chose to, love, to follow the loving rule of God. And so that meant he could bring us a cure to death. Because his perfect life gave us the opportunity for him to die on our behalf, it means we can now have eternal life. And that's what the next few sentences talk about. I'll cover a bit more now, verses 45 to 48. Have a look. The scriptures tell us the first man, Adam, became a living person. But the last man, Adam, the last Adam, that is Christ, is a life-giving spirit. What comes first is the natural body, then the spiritual body comes later. Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth, while Christ, the second man, came from heaven. Earthly people are like the earthly man, and heavenly people are like the heavenly man. Can you see what he's doing? He's doing contrasting. You know, Adam, Christ, Adam, Christ. Earthly, heavenly, earthly, heavenly. That's the sort of the parallel that's happening here. And so in other words, if Jesus never came, we'd all just follow the path of Adam and we would be dust to dust. But because Jesus, in a sense, brought heaven to earth and gave us the promise of a different kind of body, a spiritual body, not an earthly body, we now have hope that we will have a body that is eternal, not one that will die. And so verse 49, we read that just as we are now the earthly man, we will someday be like the heavenly man. That's important. Can you see that? There's the now. Now we've got the earthly body. But one day we'll have the heavenly body. This is the transformation that will come to all who follow Jesus. And the, the point of all this is life after death is good different. It's different, but it's good different. Just because it's different doesn't mean it's not true. And that's the point he makes. And that is because there's no other way to experience life after death. He says in verse 50, what I'm saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. want to have eternal life you're going to need to have a new body we can't take our old physical bodies into the new life these physical bodies need to turn into spiritual bodies we need to go from being the seed to being the plant and what's the seed going to do it's going to be stuck in the ground and it's going to die and then it's going to come to new life that is what needs to happen the seed dies so the plant and the flower and the tomatoes can bloom. 
And that's what needs to happen so that we can head into eternal life. So what will it actually be like and how will it happen? Well, we, the Apostle Paul now tells the church just what to expect. And it's pretty extraordinary. Verse 51, he says, But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. What does he mean by that? Well, not every person who follows Jesus will die. If Jesus turns up at dinner time tonight, right, then we're not going to die before Jesus comes back. We'll never die. I mean, some people say that there are only two things that are certain in life, death and taxes. So well, taxes, yes. Death, no. Because if Jesus comes back and you're alive, you'll never die. How good's that? But everybody who's come before us, they have died, but they will rise. It's, this is what we can hope for. See, it's like we sing in the well-known song, Till he returns or calls me home. You know, there, there are two options that might happen there. But the thing is that we will all be transformed if we're on Jesus' side, whether we've died before he returns or if we're still alive. But what's that moment going to be like? What's that moment of transformation? Well, verse 52. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. You notice how many times trumpets appear in the Bible. That's because trumpets, other than just sounding pretty cool and being really noisy, are, are instruments that were used in battle. Sometimes they might summon people with a bit of a tune to say, OK, charge, and off we go. But another time, they would sound the sound of victory and say, we won. It's with all of that that we hear a trumpet being mentioned right here. The trumpet comes. The last trumpet comes because the victory, the final victory, has been won. And when that trumpet sounds, then those who are dead will come to life. And those who are alive will also be transformed with them. It's extraordinary stuff. Because with that trumpet sound, we are told that death is defeated. And those who died come back to life and are transformed. And the reason that we also need to be transformed is because that needs to happen so that we'll never die again. Verse 53, for our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. In other words, we need new bodies because our old bodies can't live forever. If you're really lucky, you might live to 100 or 110 or 120. Although if you're full of pain, that you might be thinking, I'm not so sure I'm winning by, by living that long. The point is our bodies have got a, a use-by date. They're only going to last for so long. You, know, you might be young and be thinking, ah, that's a lifetime away. I don't need to worry about that. Or well, you might be old and thinking, you know, well, I've still got plenty of money left in my retirement. I've got a decade or two or three. Whatever it is, we look forward and forward and forward. But really, ultimately, one day, you're going to die. We can't live forever. But the time is coming when Jesus will return and the trumpets will sound. 
And, well, this is what will happen. Verse 54. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture from the Old Testament will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. And the next verse. Death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? You know, it's a little bit like, you know, a couple of uh, you know year two kids teasing another death. You know where is your victory? Where is your sting? <laughs> you got nothing. It's it's like right here at that point we are teasing death. Death says, "Hey, I'm here to inflict pain and fear." It's like you got nothing. You're defeated. This is what winning looks like. This is what true victory is like. The greatest enemy of life is death. And the only hope of life after death is Jesus. See, Jesus came back and showed that he defeated death and his victory becomes our victory. And so verse 56 and 7, For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the greatest victory in history. You might be able to think through life of some remarkable sporting victories. You might think of those moments when it was just certain that Team A was going to win and then the, a final came, come back and then Team B came in. You think, oh, that was a great victory. Or you look through the history books and, and there was an army that was certainly going to be defeated and then suddenly, out of nowhere, they were able to survive and th were able to have victory. You look back on those things and say, yeah, that was an amazing one for the history books. i tell you what, they're nothing. Nothing compared to this Victory. It is the greatest victory of all because Jesus defeated death and he did that by his death. It's the only hope that's worth hoping in. It's the only future worth looking forward to. And to be honest, if you say, I don't want to have that treatment, I don't want to have that cure for death, then you have refused and turned your back on the only solution to death. You have one option. Do you take the pill or do you walk away? There is only one option, and that is the death of Jesus defeats death. And this is the basis for the very final verse we're looking at, verse 58. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. Well, you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. In other words, you won't waste your life if you work for Jesus. You won't waste your life if you work to share this cure for death. You won't waste your life if you trust in Jesus. You want meaning in life. You want purpose in life. You want to have satisfaction in life. Do the work of the Lord. This is the only thing that really matters. And this is why funerals can actually be a time of hope. A time of hope amongst sadness. It's always interesting when you go to the international airport. 
There are some people there who are full of great joy because they are waiting in the arrivals and they see someone they haven't seen for years and years and they come out to Australia and, and it's like, hooray, and there's all the happiness and the joy and everything like that. And then you go upstairs a level and you go to the departure section. And then for some people, it's like, hey, I'm going on holidays for three weeks. Others, it's like, hey, I'm moving overseas with my family and it'll cost 20 grand to come and visit me and that'll probably won't be for 10 years. So goodbye, see you sometime. And there's sadness. Now, it's not a funeral. It's like, well, off you go in the plane. It's not like that. You're thinking, I'm going to see them again. I have a hope, right? You know, it's a positive hope, right? But it's kind of like you're waiting but you're sad because you know it's going to be a while. That is what Christian funerals are like. It's going to be a while. But it's not never. There is a hope there. This is why the resurrection of Jesus from the dead changes everything. It's why the resurrection of Jesus from the dead is something that if you put your trust in him, you won't waste your life. Which is why we love to celebrate being hatched and matched. And we can even... Celebrate being dispatched because death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? We're going to stand and sing.